Welcome to the CanMed Coffee Talk podcast, where we talk with the leading minds in cannabis science, medicine, cultivation, and safety testing. I am your host, Ben Amaralt. I'm the marketing manager at Medicinal Genomics and proud member of the team that puts on the CanMed conference. Head over to canmedevents.com now to learn all about our CanMed 2022 event, which will take place May 3rd through 5th at the Pasadena Convention Center in Pasadena, California. This three-day event begins with a full-day medical practicum led by Dr. Bonnie Goldstein, the practicum's originator, as well as Dr. Dustin Sulak, Dr. Kevin Spellman, and Eloise Thiessen. Each of the presenters will share the latest research as well as their clinical experience and practice guidelines related to cannabinoid therapeutics. A new section of this eight-hour course is dedicated to reviewing different types of extractions, products, and optimal dosing for cannabinoid therapeutics. After that, we have two full days of presentations and panel discussions covering the latest research in the cannabis science, medicine, cultivation, and safety testing taking place May 4th and 5th. The full schedule is up at canmedevents.com. You'll notice that each of the CanMed focus areas are anchored by a keynote presenter. Dr. Ethan Russo for science, Seth Crawford for cultivation, Dr. Bonnie Goldstein for medicine, and Grace Bandong for safety testing. Each of our keynotes, as well as many of our presenters and panelists, were guests on the podcast, and you can listen to all our previous episodes at canmedevents.com slash coffee talk. While you're at canmedevents.com, you can also watch video presentations and panel discussions from all of our previous CanMed events in our CanMed video archive. Presentations include CanMed 2022 keynotes Dr. Rousseau, Seth Crawford, and Dr. Goldstein, as well as Professor Raphael Mishulam, David Meary, Marcus Roggin, Zamir Punja, Stacy Gruber, and many, many more. As you can tell, we have a lot going on at canmedevents.com, and the best way to keep up with everything is to sign up for email alerts using the simple form in the page footer or on the pop-up form that you'll find at canmedevents.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Just look for CanMed Events. This episode's guest is Dr. Dedi Miri. Dedi runs a lab at the Technion Israel Institute of Technology that investigates the anti-tumor effects of cannabinoids. More specifically, his team identifies which combination of cannabinoids can kill cancer cells. Most notably, his team identified a combination of three specific cannabinoids that kill leukemia cells, and that formulation is currently being tested in a clinical trial. Dedi is a three-time CanMed presenter. Most recently, he delivered a one-hour keynote presentation at CanMed 2019, where he talks about the work going on in his lab. I highly recommend watching that in all of Deddy's presentations. Not only is the information fascinating, but Deddy has a very engaging presentation style. If you watch Deddy's 2017 presentation video, you might actually see a cameo from a certain podcast host at about 30 seconds in. Anyway, Deddy and I discussed a number of topics related to his work, including the fact that Deddy entered the cannabis medicine research space skeptical of its therapeutic potential, 
and how understanding the mechanism of action for the endocannabinoid system made him a believer. He also talks about how he uses his own experience being a skeptic to convince other skeptical physicians and non-physicians. He talks about the database that his team created that tracks all the active compounds in medical cannabis products available in Israel, as well as which products are effectively treating the patient's conditions. This unique database allows Deddy and his team to identify which products and compounds they want to study in more detail. We talk about the diversity of cannabis chemotypes and the diversity of cancer types and how that combination makes it nearly impossible for patients to select the right strain for the right type of cancer, given what we know. We also talk about whether synthetic biology will be used to produce minor cannabinoids at scale, and also the two broad classifications for cannabis medicine, one for general wellness using whole plant extracts, and another for targeted treatments using individual compounds. Before we get to my conversation with Dr. Denny Miri, I wanted to thank this episode's sponsor, Advanced Nutrients. Founded in 1999, Advanced Nutrients was the first to develop a complete nutrient system that unlocks the true genetic potential of the cannabis plant. Since its inception, the brand has introduced more than 50 innovations to the cultivation community and continues to revolutionize the space through proprietary scientific discoveries. Learn more at advancednutrients.com. Okay, and without any further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Deddy Miri. Hi, Deddy. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, and I'm glad that we got to do this because I, I feel like it's long overdue. You've been an important contributor to CanMed and the cannabis community for a number of years now. So I'm glad we finally got the chance to, to talk on the podcast. So in, in, pre in preparation for the conversation, I, I rewatched your keynote presentation from CanMed 2019, which I highly recommend all the listeners check out. I'll drop a link in the show description so people can see the video. And in that talk, you were very open in sharing that you were skeptical when you first started researching medical cannabis. So I'm curious, first, what got you started in researching medical cannabis? And second, was there a particular moment or a discovery that made you a believer? So I will start uh, from the first question. I, my background is from plant medicinal plant biology. I did a PhD in uh, molecular and genetic plant biology. I'm a son of agriculture. I live in the fields. I was the head of the botanic gardens of Tel Aviv University and the medicinal plant uh, uh, greenhouse there, which is a big uh, greenhouse. And, and then I moved to my postdoc where I did totally different uh, work when I did the cancer research or you know, anti-cancer properties. Of, of different molecules. And when I got back to Israel and I got my own lab, I want to create a heterogenic uh, laboratory or multidisciplinary laboratory, taking my knowledge from plant to see how like, it's affecting uh, you know, cancer cells. 
And, and, and this is not, I'm not, uh, unfortunately, I'm not the one that invented most of the chemotherapies and the treatments uh, against cancer coming from, from plant. You know, Taxol is from Taxus Bush and the Vincrestin, Vimblastin, these are names for the major chemotherapies are all, all coming from plant. So I started to, to look for plants that I thought that they have anti-cancer properties and I started to work with a few plants and one of them was cannabis. I saw a work by Manuel Guzman and Christine Sanchez from Spain that show that if you put cannabis on breast cancer or on glioblastoma, every one of them, you know, Manuel Guzman worked on glioblastoma and Christine Sanchez on breast cancer showed that if you put the cannabis on them, it's uh, inhibit their ability to migrate and create metastasis and glioblastoma, it's kill the cells. And I started by repeating this experiment and I was quite surprised by, by, by the results and, and quite fast being, you know, it's funny to say that in the cannabis uh, field, but become addicted to this plant. So. Uh, it, it's phenomenal results. And, and now I will answer the second question. I started very skeptical. I'm not a user. You know, I'm not against it. I tried a few times. I didn't like the feeling. And you know, I have a friend that's saying that I don't like to do things that I don't like. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not against. I just didn't. I don't like the feeling. And... And it was kind of, a, I don't want to say gimmick, because in that times in 2014, I, it wasn't a hype yet, and nobody, it was kind of undercover, and, and the technique on the institute that I'm working with, that really didn't like that I'm working with that. So it, but the first results were, were extremely, extremely significant and, and strong. And in the first conference that I fly, it was in Prague, uh, you know, it was around 90 people. You know, it's kind of the founders of this field, you know, where there were the, the uh, people uh, that just uh, established Kronos and Aurora and Canopy and Tilray. You know, I remember they showed that they are starting to plant in Tilray. They started to plant like two acres of cannabis and everybody hold their heads, you know. Wow. Like it was like, are you crazy? Something like that, yes. And, and, and I was, you know, very skeptical. I was sitting there and saying, you know, they're, for one hand, they're showing that it's make you sleepy. For the others say, hey, they said it make you alert. It's helping diabetes. It's helping pain. It's helping epilepsy. It's helping psoriasis. Come on, guys. Like, you know, be, be real. You're all, you know. <laughs> so, Too good to be true. Too good to be true and also understanding how biology is working. If it's doing that, it won't be able to do that. You know, it's the opposite. Right. It's not working. Learning and understanding the endocannabinoid system, its role and how it's operating every cell and how complicated it is, explaining why it's reducing pain, affecting sleep, reducing increased appetite, affecting the immune system, when you understand the mechanism of action of the endocannabinoid system, then it all makes sense. And if you're asking me what's trigger me or convince me about the, that everything that I see or, you know, a lot of things that we see is, is real, is understanding the mechanism of action of the endocannabinoid system. Because if you understand how, why it's doing that and how, then you believe. 
And and before you asking this, the next question, you know, you give to scientists to speak, you won't stop. So uh, I, I'm finding myself give, and I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of, of, of talks. And a lot of them, it's in hospitals. Mm. And when I'm sitting in front of the physicians, in the beginning, there is the same joke, always did you brought samples, everybody's laughing, oh, fine. Yeah. Yep. And then and then I'm starting to show the results. And there is always this kind of they stopping and say, Daddy, come on, really. You do you really think you think that and that. But when I'm starting to explain in the highest level of, of science and that physician can understand why it's working like that, which uh, you know, which receptors operate what, which cannabinoid binding, what is happening downstream to that, and what is the mechanism of action. There is always the moment in this talk, and, and I did hundreds of that and never had the different, uh, uh, something that happened different. There is a moment that I know that I have them. Mm. They, they got it. They understood it's real. And from here, it's easy to collaborate. It's easy to start to engage them to, to, to prescribe. It's easy to engage them to work and, and to give data and, 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 all, and all of that. There is a logic behind it. It's real, and and for that reason, it's easy to explain. That's great. And so, what about non physicians? Is there is there something that when you're speaking with them that you can explain that kind of helps it click? If someone who's a non clinician is a skeptic, sure. Again, when when you give something that somebody can connect to it and understand it, then it's become easier to believe. If I will now explain you one, why when you smelling a barbecue, it's increased your appetite and the, actually the cannabis is doing exactly the same. You said, yeah, I know that I'm smelling a barbecue, mm-hmm. or, you know, I'm, I'm feeling an appetite, it's increased my appetite or a dish or why I'm eating a dessert after the meal. You know, when I'm not hungry anymore and I'm explaining by the evolution what happened and why it's happening and why the cannabis just mimic that, then you can connect to that. You say, I know that, they, you know, I'm full and then they bring these, uh, you know, great brownies in the, in the restaurant. I'm eating that also. It not makes sense, you know, or, or things like that. And, and, and what is the difference between when you, uh, you know, feel pain, why, when, our body operates the opioid system. We have an opioid system in our body. Mm. And when it's operate, the endocannabinoid system. And why now we can use the cannabis when it's fit to that and use opioid when it's fit for, to that and not opioid to everything, you know? Right. I, I can explain it in, in a lot of sense. And, and for that reason, I think everybody can connect. And, and sometimes it's, it's challenging in conferences that there are physicians, scientists, you know, uh, fathers and mothers of a sick child and, and a grower. And now you need to, to give the talk that the physician will admire what you're saying and not say, hey, this is a lame guy. But also, you know, the grower and the, the father of a, child, a sick child will understand you too. It's, it's not an easy mission, but I must say that I'm enjoying that. So it's, yeah, it's a challenge. It's certainly a challenge. And again, just to, to plug your, your keynote from 2019, I think you do a, a very good job of, of explaining it for everyone in the audience, because so, we do have a diverse audience at the, at the conference. So 
uh, just another plug for that. <clears throat> I did want to get into talking about your laboratory because, I mean, at least for me, it seems quite unique, it, I mean, especially comparing it to labs that we have, testing labs that we have here in the United, United States. So is it true that all cannabis grown in Israel goes through your lab? Yeah, I had. I was fortunate to get a huge amount of, of money from from a foundation in the state that gave money for a breakthrough, uh, you know, science to create the Israeli database on patient. And, and I got five million dollars to create a big database in, in academia. It's a huge money, at least in Israel. And and what we did. Um, until last year, we had just eight authorized growers that can supply. You know, Israel, uh, in Israel, we have just medicinal cannabis, me medical cannabis. We don't have recreational at all. And it's under healthcare. From 2007, it's under healthcare. Israel is a half social country. So we all have insurance, whether it's dedicated from my salary or the government will pay you if you're not working, you know. So we all have insurance. When I'm going to a physician or when I'm going to the hospital, I'm not paying. I already paid, you know, from my salary or, or the, the government paid. We've all been insured. And this is the healthcare in Israel. So cannabis is being prescribed by physician under healthcare, and you get in, in pharmacy as a, as a prescribed medicine, which is saying that you're paying a fixed price that the government uh, decided, which not related to the amount that you're getting and so on and so on. And it's very simple, but it's all under healthcare. So it's very controlled. So it's easy. Every, every product need to go through a, a specific a, a test in order to be in the pharmacy, like, like every medicine, okay? So on that process, everything is reaching to my lab. We're examining all the active compounds and then creating a database with the patient. I can speak about that four or five hours. There is something that uh, is saying in, in creating big data, garbage in, garbage out. Yep. And it's a little bit garbage in because the data that we get from the patient is, is very, very, very problematic in the way being collected. And for that reason, there are things that we succeed to recruit from that, not in the level that I, I wanted. Okay, so again, comparing that to what we have here in the United States where multiple different states with multiple different systems, some are medical, some are recreational, labs are testing for, for some compounds in one state and not in another, um, that's, that's pretty unique that you're able to put together a database to really start tracking um, you know, what types of what types of cannabis folks are using for certain conditions and to try to, to actually draw some correlations between what the active compounds are responsible for the response, right? That is the goal? Yeah, so I'm doing kind of a reverse biology. First, I see what's happened on the patient, then I'm taking it to mice. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's usually the, the opposite. So, so this is something that from the beginning was very unique to me. So I started with the materials that actually patients are already getting. You know, when I started, there were 18,000 patients in Israel. Today, there are 105,000, so five times more. And, and But there were still 18,000 patients that getting these materials. I know it's not toxic, but I see that they killed the cancer cells very efficiently. So when I started, 
usually when you study in a lab, you see something that they have a lot of efficacy and kill the cells. When you will go to mice model and then to humans, the first trial and the, the most tough one is toxicity. Which side effects that you're getting, whether you know it's killed the cancer cell, but also kill your liver and your brain, it doesn't help, okay? There is very good materials that kill everything, you know? <laughs> you know? For sure. Yeah, blocking your oxygen will kill the cancer cells, you know? So, but this is not what you're looking. But here, there was something was potent as the best chemotherapies that I have. And I know that it's already patient taking it and it's not toxic. And this is extremely unique. So on the same level, I can say, if I know that this strain causing 67% of the patient to, to be sleepy and to sleep very deep, now I can take it to the lab and starting to examine which cannabinoids or in which molecules inside is causing that. What is the mechanism of infection? Does it cause you to feel sleepy, to sleep deep, to be, you know, which, when we're talking about sleep, there are different parts of the sleep. How fast you're falling asleep, how deep you, you're sleeping, you can fall asleep very fast, but wake up every few minutes, right? If you're getting this, the RAM sleep, whether you are, it's efficient sleep or not, how, how, how difficult it's for you to wake up. So there is, these are being controlled in different areas of the brain and different types of cannabis affecting different areas in different part of the sleep. So if you ask just the patient, does it help you to sleep? You will get an answer, yes or no, but you don't know in which part right. of the sleep it's affecting. And, 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 and this is taking it to different resolution of questions and answers and fine tune which patient should get what. Okay, so we mentioned cancer and I wanted to get into that because correct me if I'm wrong, but your team has identified uh, a combination of compounds that are very efficient at killing very specific types of cancer, correct? And I, I know that's what you presented on in 2019 and have, have you been able to identify other similar formulations or different ones that can be equally as effective against other types of cancer? Yes, yeah, so, so I want to take one step backward and, and be clear sure. to the audience, you know, cannabis is not killing cancer and cannabis is not a treatment to cancer. So, you know, many people say, why to take chemotherapy? I will take ca cannabis, it's not working that way. Cancer, it's a given name to hundreds of different diseases, you know, right. breast cancer, liver cancer, pancreatic cancer are totally different diseases. And what can help on breast cancer can damage uh, ovarian cancer, you know, because they, they work differently, okay? Mm -hmm. and, and the drug that they're working today on breast cancer, let's say tamoxifen, is working exactly the opposite on, on ovarian cancer. And people don't understand that unless you're oncologist or something like that. So first of all, cancer is the given name to hundreds of different diseases. And in the same type of cancer, let's take breast cancer, you have hormonal sensitive, hair plus, BRCA mutation. You have more than 20 different types of breast cancer. So which one cannabis is killing? It's, it's what we call personal medicine. And now we'll go to the cannabis world. There are hundreds and thousands of different types of cannabis. So what is the possibility that you have a specific types of a breast cancer that you will take the specific types of cannabis that really 
interfere with the pathway of the, the, the cell to, to block it and to kill it or to stop proliferation. It's a lottery, okay? Mm -hmm. And for that reason, without really knowing deeply what you're doing, it's better sometimes not to do, okay? So what we defined in, in my lab, and we're working on more than 10 different types of cancer, but at least in three types of cancer, we already succeed to understand, to screen hundreds of different chemovars uh, of cannabis, to describe one of them or discover one of them that was very efficient killing the cells. And then for this one to, to analyze and to separate and to understand which molecules, which cannabinoids is responsible for the effect, understand the mechanism of action, which receptors they are binding, what they are doing in the cell and why they are killing these types of cell with this mutation, not the others. And, and, and we are starting clinical trials in humans in this indication. So in leukemia, specific types of leukemia in breast cancer and in colon cancer, we are having advanced results that we're already taking to clinical phase. And, but this is very specific. In leukemia, we're talking about three molecules. In breast cancer, it's one molecule. It's a very unique cannabinoid, a little bit similar to CBG, but with different structure and two oxygen in the aromatic. Uh, uh, so there, because there are two oxygens, there is less uh, hydrophobic, more available, whatever. It's a unique cannabinoid where the first one to discover and, and to analyze it and to understand the structure. So what this is what we call minor cannabinoids, you know. Not always it's minor. Sometimes there are strains that in this one, they are not minor. We just call them like that because we don't identify them, you know. Right. We don't have standards for them. So, so yes, going to the bottom of your questions, in specific types of cancer, we already found specific molecules that affecting these cancer because of their uh, special uh, phenotype or mutation. You know, every cancer has its own characterism. And so if we define molecules that are affecting these types of cancer, now it's very specific. And this one, we're starting clinical trials. That's excellent. Um, so going back to the, the minor cannabinoids, um, and you sort of, you, you mentioned that they're considered minor for one reason, because we're not specifically testing for them, but are they also in very low concentrations in, in the plant? Not always. So, you know, first of all, I, in my lab, we divide them as major, medium, and minor. So major, it's, it's in uh, CBD, maybe also CBG. You know, we, we see strains of 20% uh, CBG already, so it's not minor. Uh, I just came back from the state, and I saw that in California and, and also New York, there are strains of 20% uh, CBG in Israel. I'm familiar with that in, in the last few years. So 20% um, so is not minor for sure. And then there are the, the, what we call the medium one, which is CBC and CBN and THCV and CBDV. So usually you can find strains with a two, 3% of these uh, cannabinoids, but I already saw strains of 13, 14% THCV and 30, 14% CBDV. So these are kind of medium, okay? And then there are the minor cannabinoids that are probably degradation of the major and the medium. Or, or a specific 
cannabinoid that usually you're not finding them more than 0.5% or something like that in the flowers. And, and this we call minor. And we found out that sometimes they are extremely potent. So sometimes they are more potent than the usual ones. And then when you're taking them, isolating them, or creating strains with high percentage of them, they are very, very efficient in, in specific indication. And you know, th this is this is our uh, you know claim of fame. So this is what I'm focusing on. It, it doesn't mean that THC and CBD and CBG are not important, but the rest of the world doing that. So I'm looking on on the special one that that I can see and other not. So. This is, this is the reason. It's not that THC and CBD and CBG are not important. And again, when I'm finding, you know, amazing results with CBG, I will go with that. Um, but I'm quite upset when it's THC and CBG. <laughs> and it is the case sometimes that they are involved in sort of, of the, the combination? Of, course of, yeah. course, of course, of course, of course. Now, yeah. now, given the fact that some of these minor cannabinoids that are, you know, in relatively low concentrations could be very important in these treatments, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on synthetic biology, like creating some of these cannabinoids through yeast or, or things like that as a way to, you know, make more of these than the plant is, is typically producing? So first of all, I don't find an advantage by creating them in yeasts or creating them synthetically in the lab. So... In the plant, there is the entourage effect and, and something that you're getting, and we can speak about that uh, later if you want to, but, but there is a bunch of, of cannabinoids that going together. If you look on high CBD strain, there is a portfolio of cannabinoids and terpenoids that will go with that if you look in high THC. And when you are uh, you know, taking an extract or using a vipering or viping or, or smoking cannabis, you're getting this whole complex that there are uh, there is plus and minus in that. If you're taking an isolate cannabinoids, or a, a, so I don't find a difference between isolate from yeast or or make it synthetic isolate and purified in that. It's quite of quite the same. Then we need to ask what is the advantage of of creating that in yeast or in bacteria on that. But basically, I, I, I think that we will find out in, in few years from now, different types of, of medicine that coming out from cannabis. One of them is whole extract when people using for, a, you know, for uh, not recreational, but, but for quality of life, improving quality of life and, and wellness, okay? Because you're taking the whole extract and it's a little bit help you with sleep, with pain, with the uh, mood, with the, uh, you know, appetite. You're getting a variety of, uh, of effects that affecting your quality of life, which each one of them, it's a different combination of molecules that you have in the whole extract. And, and there is a benefit of that. Instead of taking five drugs, you're taking cannabis and doing a little bit here, a little bit there, and you're getting something and you're improving your quality of life. And, and I totally, I think that 80% or even more of the patient that getting today cannabis and also in the recreational, you know, we can argue if recreational, it's not part of healthcare or part of uh, improve, if it's improving your quality of life. If you are very uh, angry and, and, and you have anxiety and now you're in the evening and you're smoking cannabis and being relaxed, 
does it does it medicinal or does it reaction you know uh, it's a big question but in general i think that 80 85% of the user using that quality of life and wellness and the other 15% using it as to treat specific indication like epilepsy or what we spoke now cancer and and many, maybe other indication and I think for this one, we will be much more accurate. It will be specific combination of cannabinoids or specific molecules that might be from the plant, but might be also from yeast or synthetic. I don't see if you already purifying them and, and using it as purified, from my point of view, I don't see a big difference. No, and that's such an important point is is kind of talking about the two different ways you can use cannabis, one for general wellness and one for, you know, treating very specific conditions that you're looking for um, with your team. So I think sometimes in the industry kind of becomes an either or. Is it, you know, is big pharma going to come in and, and sort of take over cannabis or should it stay, um, you know, kind of like it is now with, with whole plant extracts and, you know, the benefits of the entourage effect. And it, it sounds like there's really a space for both. I, I think I think there is space for, for both and we need both. So, so you know, when you have a child with leukemia and you have six with TLL and you have six months to live, I don't think that either of us want to play games with that, okay? You need to give him the treatment, the, the most serious treatment that you can give to save his life. And, and if, and I don't care and I don't, I care for the child, I don't care about the industry in that point, okay? Save the child. And I think if you have accurate molecule that you know exactly the, the, the dosage and how to give it, then you need to go the direction. And, you know, I have four kids and then also a lot of friends. I don't think that any of us will play now with the, you know, herbal plant or let's see an entourage effect and I don't know where there is, you know, we'll go with the physician. On the other hand, when you want to treat something that is more general, you have now suffer from PTSD, which is problem with anxiety and the problem of sleep and mood and, and other things that cannabis give a treatment with is more complete. And, and you don't need now to, to kill a cell. You don't need to, to, to stop something very accurate. You need something more general. You know what, I will, I will give you a different example that I like to write. That, I started to see in Israel more and more, you know, older people. My parents are 85 years old and they're already, you know, suffering from what older people are suffering. A little bit pains, more even than a little bit. Okay, they don't fall asleep very well. They know what the meaning of 85, you know, they're probably, even when you singing them until 120, it's not a lot. So, you know, it's a mood. And my mother don't have too much appetite anymore. And now she's taking cannabis, high CBD strain. She's sleeping better. She's eating better. She's feeling better. She is have less pains. Nothing critical. It's not like taking opioid that the pain is disappearing, but you reduce two levels down and you improve all the quality of life. So instead of taking a meals of pills, that every one of them also create a different damage, and then you're taking a pill for that damage, and then you're taking pill, that, 
she taking few drops of cannabis and this is really helping. And I don't think that in that term, we will be isolated cannabinoids or molecule because you're talking about variety of things that happened there. But now, six days ago, some girls entered to my lab. She's a friend of a colleague that is the next lab to me and said, Daddy, you must help her. She came, she's suffering from insomnia. She had a treatment of cancer from chemotherapy and this chemotherapy caused her insomnia. In the last five years, she can't sleep more than 15 minutes, okay? Pretty woman, lovely woman, everything. She's a professor, whatever. She can't sleep. She don't have. She just want. She just asking one thing. Help me to sleep. Now it's not pain. No, 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 no. It's one thing. Help me to sleep. So now I want to come with the big cannons, <laughs> whether from cannabis or not, to help her on sleep. I don't need the old variety. What is the best molecules or the best combination? that will cause her to fall asleep and not wake up for four hours. And if I can create it, I prefer to create it. And, 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 and if I need two molecules from this trend and one molecule from that trend, maybe a molecule from algae, I don't care. Maybe it's a combination <laughs> from one plant. I want to help her. And I think that we will find out more and more complicated medicine. This is a different you know, a branch that I'm opening here of things to help this kind of patient, which is uh, treating very accurate. In cannabis, I can be, give the best example is epilepsy. Now kids with epilepsy, 80 seizures a day don't have life, you know, they, they, they can't operate. In that. If you just stop the, 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 uh, the seizures, now they're coming back to normal life. So it might be one compound, maybe it's the CBD like GW had or, or something like that. If you're blocking that, that's it. You don't need right. the whole package. So I think that you will find, we will find out in a few years that the pharma company really swallowing this kind of thing when it's one compound, two compounds for a specific indication, but the majority will stay with the whole plant. Yeah. No, and that's such a, it's such an interesting approach too, is, you know, you have a condition, you start treating it with cannabis and it's sort of this like shotgun approach, right? You're, you're getting a lot of different compounds. And if you find a strain that works for you, then you can really start to kind of narrow it down, right? Okay. What compounds are in this strain and can we start isolating it down and narrowing it down to just a select few? And, you know, and it's great that you guys can do that in Israel with, with your database, and again, I, I, I come back to the United States. I mean, we have 3.6 million medical cannabis users here in the United States. I can imagine if, if you could get your hands on, on that data, how much, how much more could we learn about you know, what cannabis can be used to, to treat other uh, conditions? So, so the problem is the other side. When somebody take cannabis and said, hey, you know, this has helped me to... Uh, to treat the uh, Parkinson's disease. What do you mean I took cannabis? It's, it's meaningless to me. So somebody's calling me from, uh, you know, from Boston a few weeks ago, you know, with connection, he, he found out and they asked me to, to speak with him and said, look, I used, I tried many types of cannabis and now I find one that really helped my father with Parkinson." 
it's meaningless to me. Who cares what the name of this cannabis? I don't know what are the cannabinoids. I know the dosage. I want to reach. Unless I will get it here and, and examine it and start to work with it, I can do that. But I can't get it here, right, from Boston, unless I'm going with the suitcase and, uh, you know, and become criminal. So I think the regulation is still blocking that. Right. The database that, and I did it in the past from Canada and from the state, the database that I'm getting is almost meaningless. And, and you know, we published, I, I will give you an example. We published a paper a few weeks ago, I think it's four weeks ago, about the difference of uh, sex, uh, the, uh, you know, gender, sorry, not sex. Okay. And we know from the, our database that women's have way more side effects. They say that they have more side effects. And also they are using sometimes different strains. There are strains that just male using and strains that just women using. And we thought that, this, that the reason there is more side effects is whether they're using a different strains that have more side effects or it's something related hormonically, you know, to estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, whatever that are difference between. And because we have the ability today to check the endocannabinoid system very deeply. We can look on 38 different receptors and 150 endocannabinoids in the blood samples and also can analyze all the cannabinoids, what they're getting. We did a clinical trial on 200 patients around, it was a little bit less than 200, it was around 160. It was something like 90 males and 70 women. And first of all, these were a pain patient neuropathic pain patients. So first of all, we look how many patients using cannabis. We, we took neuropathic patients that using cannabis said that it's helped them. This was a criteria, okay? And then we started to, to check how much it's helped them. We find out that women and men describe that it's the same on the effect of reducing neuropathic pain, okay? And then we ask, okay, what about the negative side effects that you have? And women had a, a way more than men's, almost men's almost didn't have side effects. And then you're asking the woman, okay, how you saying that these strains cause you dizziness, okay? How much, how many times in, in, in a month you feel dizziness? So first of all, she said, what does, uh, you ask her, do you have a negative effect? Yeah, this strain cause me dizziness. Dizziness, it's writing terminology, you know, when your head is turning, right? So, so you are, she said, yes, I have, I'm suffering from uh, uh, this uh, side effect. It's, it's happened a lot. You said, okay, how many times a month you feel dizziness? You said four times a month. Okay. Now you're going to the males that using the same strain said, does it help you for pain? Yes, it reduced pain. Do you have negative side effect? No, I don't have negative side effect. I really like this strain. Do you have dizziness? You ever don't feeling this? Yes, a little bit. How many times a month? Four times a month. The right. number is the same number. Yep. And this is the problem of the, the, the data. If you're not getting deep and you don't ask the right question, you're getting wrong answers. And, and that's what we find out in the, the database. Sometimes if you're not going deeper, you're getting different answers. So this actually work shows that there is no difference in the side effect. It's exactly the same. The same strains causing the same side effects in women and men, lifting what we checked. But if you don't ask it in the right way, you are falling and failing. Okay, so, so this is part of, of this. 
So I want to come back just for a second what you said about having this ability from the database. The database give you, give you just a hint or a clue where to start looking. But from there, in the last six years, we developed abilities to do extractions in many different types of extraction, butane, CO2, supercritical, uh, you know, uh, uh, press, whatever, and to learn what are the differences. And then to analyze all the active compounds, all the cannabinoids, flavonoids, stupinoids, and it's different machine, different abilities, okay? Then we develop method to screen on many different uh, uh, indication or diseases Usually a scientist is focusing on, on one thing. You know, my supervisor for my PhD said that a, a, an expert is somebody that knows everything about nothing. So usually you're expert for, a, you know, specific types of cells in the heart. And, and this is how labs usually look at the academia. Because of the cannabis, because of the variety, my lab started to do cancer, but then said, okay, it's also working on epilepsy. Let's, let's have you know, a, a mice model for epilepsy and for Alzheimer's, sleep disorder, multiple sclerosis, screen disorders, a, a autoimmune disease. And in the end, I said, just a moment, in order to look on medicinal plants, you know, now there is also a hype on a, a, a psychedelic mushroom or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I thought about that, you know, four years ago, I said, this is not just cannabis, this is medicinal plant. So we create um, 20 models for diseases that we can screen very fast. So I'm doing extraction, analyze the active compounds, screen it on 20 different diseases, every types of cannabis or mushrooms or whatever, see where I see the effect, where I see something unique that no other plant or no other strains is doing. When I find it, I know to separate, to analyze the active compound. These are different machines, okay, that can separate it and analyze, separate and define which molecules, which, what are the combination of the molecules that doing this effect? Whether this is one, three, seven, I can, I can narrow it down very efficiently today. After I narrow it down, I can ask, okay, why and what these molecules are doing to the cells and to the mice and whatever, okay? which receptors they are binding, what they are doing. So understanding the mechanism of action. And when I have all this circle, now I'm ready to convince the physician to do a clinical trials. I have the molecules, I understand. I can go to a clinical trials with the whole extract, which I know that I have the, co the right combination inside, and this is med med medical cannabis. Or I can go on the pharma way, purified compounds, FDA, and usually I'm doing that in parallel. There is advantage to both of them. So if I'm, if I'm closing what I achieved or what we have, I have in my lab 38 people today, 38 scientists, and I have a company called Canasol that I have around 45 scientists there. So altogether we're around 80, 90 scientists that can take a plant, whether it's cannabis or other plants, we're working with algae, mushrooms, and cannabis, and to go all the route, analyzing all the active compounds, we call it metabolomics. First of all, doing extraction in different way, analyze the active compound, define the effect on, 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 on cells or mice, understand the mechanism of action, doing preclinical in mice and take it to clinical. And this is, I, I think it's, a, it's open a huge window to a different approach of medicinal plants that are more complicated than single molecule, single 
you know, target. Absolutely fascinating. Um, I do want to be mindful of your time, Deddy, and I, I thank you again for taking the time. Um, but before I let you go, I want to give you an opportunity to share any um, any websites, any social media, anything that you want to get out there to share with the audience so that they can stay in touch with you or stay up on uh, the work that you're doing. So, you know, I'm a scientist. I'm a professor in the university. There is site for the lab. Put my name and you find it at the Technion. I have a, a company called Canasol and Canasol have the lab, there is a synergism between what we're doing in the lab and Canasol. Actually, we're one big group that is doing R&D and trying to understand which component and how this component, which plant and how they are working and to define the things that can help us to live better and to, you know, smile I have two goals. First of all, when we're coming to work, me and my workers, that we will come with a smile. And second, when patients are getting to hospitals or are sick, we'll smile more. So this is two, two approaches that work together. And in a way, it's working very well. So Yeah, no, that sounds like a great approach. Thanks again for the time, Deddy. Um, I hope to see you out at CanMed um, in 2022 and, and many more to come. Thank you very much for having me. It's always a pleasure. I, you know, I'm, I'm waiting uh, that uh, these conferences will open again. You know, I just came back from after a year and a half that I didn't fly, I came back from a tour in, in LA and in New York. So the skies is open. Life is coming back, I hope, to normal. And I hope to see you face to face, to face soon. All right, looking forward to it. Okay, bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Deddy Miri. Please check out the links in the show description to learn more about the topics we discussed. And thanks again to this episode's sponsor, Advanced Nutrients. Our next episode drops November 24th. That's two weeks from today and one day before Thanksgiving. To celebrate the holiday, we have planned a special giving back themed episode that you won't want to miss. In the meantime, please do check out canmedevents.com to view the CanMed 2022 schedule, explore the CanMed archive, listen to previous podcast episodes, and sign up for email alerts. If social media is more your thing, you can stay connected with us on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Speaking of Facebook, check out the CanMed Community Facebook group. It's a great way to connect with fellow attendees and presenters in between events. And one last thing, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Doing so really helps the podcast reach more listeners. Okay, that's it from us. Stay safe, stay healthy, and please do join us for the next CanMed Coffee Talk.